For tapes, CDs, DVDs, to our publication, Voices from His Excellent Glory, Declaring the Kingdom, write P.O. Box 21516, Hot Springs, Arkansas, Zip 71903. Our website is www.lakehamiltonbiblecamp.com and lhbconline.com. There are hundreds of free audio files there. It's like going to Bible school at home. This is the 2018 Spring Teaching and Deliverance Camp Meeting being held at Lake Hamilton Bible Camp in Hot Springs National Park, Arkansas. Thursday evening, March the 29th, 2018. Randy Ritchie is the speaker of the service teaching on the spirit of offense. David. David. Are y'all Show of hands of who's here for the first time. Everybody's been here before. Give them a hand. How many know that uh, have been coming here maybe for years that uh, there can be opposition to getting here? Uh, even after you've been coming for years, there can be opposition to getting here. Huh? Why? It's because there's a real war going on. And the enemy likes the territory he has, and he doesn't want to lose it. But how many know greater is he who is in us than he is in the world? Amen? All right. I'm going to explain a little bit before we get started. I'm going to teach tonight, and at the end of this teaching, or somewhere maybe in the middle of the teaching, and at different parts of the teaching, we may pray, and uh, we'll do some deliverance. And if you've never been to a deliverance camp before, and this is your first time, and maybe you've been around deliverance, but um, we're going to pray if you'll be truly repentant when you're called to a place of repentance. <coughs> Listen, repentance means metanoia. It means to change your mind. It means to change your mind. And we, we give metaphors about walking this way and turning around and walking that way, and that's a good picture. But you'll never walk that way when you've been walking this way unless you decide in your mind that this way was wrong. So our agreement has to come in alignment with God and His Word. The Word of God is our plumb line. And so anything in us, anything in our thought processes, anything in our behavior that does not line up with God's Word is detrimental. You know, as... Um, <laughs> the, the, the Lord told Paul he's riding his horse to Damascus and he gets knocked off the horse and he says well what do you want with me Lord and, and the Lord tells him says, why are you kicking against the goats and a goat is a sharp stick so for us walking out our life the places where we don't agree with God we're kicking goats sharp sticks and it's never profitable even in the times where it seems fun for a season that gives us feet and still problems. It gives us all, all sorts of problems. I mean, it sure does. We've, we've got to obey God. So when so if you came here, I'm going to make, and I, and I believe it's a safe assumption, that if you came here, you came here for a purpose. And if you came here for the first time, you came here for a purpose. And if you're coming here again, you know what you came here for the first time, and you're coming to get some more. And that's some more is freedom. Yeah. 
is freedom. I want everybody in here to know, and I'm sure it's not a revelation to you, but you didn't get messed up overnight. Did we? Anybody in here get messed up just totally the way you are overnight? No. It starts when we're little children. There are things we're born into. There are things we inherited. There are things that happened to us. There are things that could have happened in the womb. There are things that happened in the crib. There are things that happened growing up. And that frames things that the enemy uses to build strongholds to bring destruction, bad behavioral patterns, to steal, to kill, and destroy. Because that's what he does. So we want to undo those things. So as we begin to go through this process... And at different times during the weekend, if you come in the prayer team in the morning, the thing is, is that you're going to need to get in agreement with God's Word. Get in agreement. And if you know, and so there might be times even, listen to me, where we're going to pray and we'll do identificational repentance. And, and what that means is we may repent for something our ancestors did. Because it's come down our bloodline, we're being attacked, we're being hindered, we're being harassed, or our children are, or our grandchildren are, or they will be. Because the Word of God tells us the iniquities of the fathers are visited to the sons, to the third and the fourth generation. So, that being said, I'm not going to hell for what my daddy did, but I sure as fire might have to fight off alcoholism or perversion. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. So we inherit, we can inherit good things. You know, sometimes you look at little kids, they got mannerisms and movements that look just like their parents. Just look just like them. And there's nothing wrong with the mannerisms and the movements or the way they hold their head or the way, that's all good, that's inherited, it's in the DNA, it's not wicked. But how many know some of those other things we don't want to keep? That if it doesn't come from God, and if it doesn't glorify God, we want to get rid of those things. So we want to be repentant people, and that means, so So therefore, identificationally, I want you to hear this, and because when you look at Daniel, and you look at Nehemiah, and in both places there were men that stood before the Lord. Nehemiah was going to go back to Jerusalem. He wept for his city. He wanted to go back and rebuild the walls. And he went before the Lord and he said this. He said, and this is a paraphrase, but he said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm messed up. My family's messed up. The whole nation's messed up. Forgive us and have mercy. Daniel did the same thing. So, so he was identifying with all that had come before and, and, and all that was around him. And so we can identify and we can look at our bloodline and listen. You're, you're not getting your folks that have already died and gone on forgiven. They either accepted the Lord and went on to glory and are cheering us on or they didn't. You're not getting them forgiven. But you're taking accountability and saying that sin that ran down my bloodline, that wickedness that ran down my bloodline, that evil that ran down my bloodline, that lack of agreement with the living God that ran down my bloodline, I no longer agree with. And I'm repenting right here and right now. So as we move forward through this weekend, as, as you, as the Lord shows you things and we ask you to pray and, and if you're willing, they, they just pray, even if it's something you haven't done. Take accountability for what you don't know what great-great-great-grandpa did. We don't have a clue. Maybe you do. But most don't. And even if they said he's a good man, you don't know what he did in the dark. Okay? So we need to, we take accountability. Well, as you take accountability and we repent, we break things. We go into the court of heaven. 
And so when we go to the court of heaven, the Bible says the accuser of the brethren. He said the, the Satan is the accuser of the brethren, Revelation 12, and he accuses us night and day. Well, we have a saying in the South about not whistling Dixie. And that just means he's not up there accusing with nothing to accuse. He's not wasting his time. And he presents things to the court. And if you see it in the book of Job, the whole pattern is right there. The devil could not touch Job until God allowed the access. So the devil can't touch us either. But if it's happening, there's some allowed access. There's some reason. So we don't want to walk in um, paranoia. And we don't want to walk in legalism. But we want to file our case with the court, shut the door, and tell the enemy to go. Amen? All right. Has anybody given any housekeeping? Okay, I'll do it before we get started. So, even within that, when we go to pray, if we, if when we pray and, and we break curses or repent for things and renounce things, and then at some point, we'll probably tell you to just start breathing. Because spirits are pneuma. And the word pneuma in the Greek is the word for spirit that we see translated in the Bible. And in their like air, they're not air, but they're like unto air. And they're not subject to, by the way, air, if the wind's blowing, it'll stop at this wall, but the demon blows right through it. They're not subject to matter. Okay, so they can come through the walls, come through the floors, although they're supernatural beings. And they are much more powerful than we are. But they're not near as powerful as Jesus. And he who is in us is stronger than Satan, Lucifer, every fallen angel, all of the demons, all over the face of the earth. The one that's in you, if you're born again. Listen, if you're born again, he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And you have to understand that. And when we have our case file, and when we repent... And we are true, and we're not playing games. Listen, we're not playing games. We're being honest, because if you don't be honest, you leave a foothold for the enemy. But in that honesty and being honest with God, who loves us so much, he loves us dearly. Jesus paid a great price for us. This is Resurrection Weekend. Amen? The price was paid. And he's not in the grave. He rose again. And that resurrection power is here to deliver us. So that we can be taken from glory to glory walking this thing out. Amen? So what I'm going to tell you is that you just start breathing. And when you start breathing, don't close yourself up like this. Because that's just saying, I ain't having none of it. Okay? (laughs) And people that don't cross their legs will end up looking like a pretzel. Okay? So so just, just kind of relax. Be open. Let God come in. Let him flush the devil out. Uh, whether the Lord does it himself or sends his angels, we, we don't care. He's gonna, he swings a mighty sword, and when he does, those things flee. And we can get freer and freer and freer and freer. If you go to cough, keep coughing. Don't stop. If you go to sneeze, don't stop. And if you go to yawn, and you know, sometimes people go, I can't believe how tired I am. I yawned 150 times during this. And I was really interested in what was going on. It's the enemy leaving. 
Church, sometimes, listen to me, and I'm going to speak this, and I speak deliverance over this group. I speak in the name of Jesus, supernatural power of God to deliver, that even as truth comes in, strongholds are broken. Deliverance happens even before I speak the word to cast them out in the name of Jesus. And listen, they'll leave many times. But, but when we begin to cast them out, if you go to Burpin, don't worry about telling your neighbor I'm sorry. Okay? Don't, don't worry about it. I one time explained all this to a group of people and let them through deliverance and one lady just didn't buy it but these other people over there were getting massive deliverance and then later on it's that lady that didn't buy it because she was clogged up in her religious beliefs honestly but um, but um, uh, she told uh, somebody that I made that lady burp for an hour and a half <laughs> I, I don't have that kind of power. But Jesus has the ability to make those demons live. So I just put you on those. Don't don't worry about it. Don't don't listen, this is the time. Don't look to your left, don't look to your right. If somebody starts uh, having a uh, what might look like a breakdown to you, the Holy Ghost is dealing with them. One of these ministers that are here that minister in this pulpit or minister on the prayer team, they'll tend to them if they need to be tended to, okay? But don't reach over and grab a hold of them and try to leave because you'll stop what God is doing. Okay, let this be a time. And and if you've never been to a place like this before, uh, you know, we don't know how you're going to look when you get delivered. We don't make those predictions. We don't know how the one on the left is going to look. We don't know how the one on the right is going to look. You may have ten times as many demons as they do, and you're just breathing out like this, getting delivered. And they're over there, and that thing's throwing a conniption fit. But they're not any more demonized than you are. You can't make a judgment based on what you see and what a deliverance looks like. Okay? Some, listen, those demons are persons. They have minds wills and emotions they can think yes. and they don't like getting kicked out and some of them are fifth throwers <laughs> so don't pay attention to that you just keep focusing on you and what Jesus is doing with you okay um, that's deliverance um, let's just call it 101 uh, here there's a line of authority. And in that line of authority, it starts with Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Then it comes to Merrill, then the Patty and Kevin, the staff here. Okay? Then those of us that minister here are given authority as we step into this pulpit, as we're here on the prayer team. Okay? If you need prayer, then the person at this pulpit has that liberty when they're through praying to pray with you, okay? During their time behind this pulpit. If you want prayer, we highly recommend it that you get up. If you came this far and you spent your time and you spent your money to get here, you can sleep when you go home. <laughs> now, we'll pray for you that you get great sleep. And we will. But 6 o'clock in the morning, it does come early. But show up. Those that do get the maximum deliverance for being here on the weekend. You get a little personal attention from members of the prayer team, okay? So show up. Show up for every service. You, you might get tired. Listen to me. You might get tired. 
not saying you're going to, but I'm just telling you you might. But crucify your flesh and come to every teaching. You don't know if that's the one that gives you your breakthrough that you've been looking for your whole life. You don't know if that's the one that opened the blind eye that you didn't know you had. Because you think everything is good, but there's something missing. You just don't know. So dive in. Dive in here. Be here. Be excited. We uh, ask that you honor the line of authority. See, we want, if you come to us and ask us to pray for you at different times, we're going to point you back here at 6 o'clock or to those in the ministry. Okay? Because we, we just don't need pockets of ministry going everywhere. We ask you to honor the line of authority in that um, uh, if you've got a prophetic word for somebody, you can give it to them after you get home. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're not saying that you're not, hey, listen, you might be the, the finest prophet since Elijah. We don't know. Okay? But the word of God says, know those that labor amongst you. So we might not know you. And if time comes where you're supposed to minister that word here, it will come down through the proper channels. And you could be released to do that. But we just ask you to hold on to those things. If it's truly from God, you, you're not going to lose it. You'll remember it. Uh, if you need to, go write it down and make contact. And if that person's willing, what y'all do outside of here? Nobody's busy. Between you and God. But one of the things that's happened before, too, is that there have been misuse of words given. And somebody's come through getting a great amount of freedom, and the wrong word comes along, and it set them back. So we want to be people under authority. And by the way, uh, in the story of the centurion, uh, a centurion came to Jesus and said, My servant lies sick. And Jesus said, Okay, I'll go with you. He knew the man's heart. His alms had come up before God. Alms meaning what he did to help the poor. And Jesus was going to walk with him. And the man said, oh no, I'm not even worthy. Just speak a word. He said, I'm a man under authority. And I speak to a man and he goes there. And I speak to another man and he goes there. And he said, speak a word, it'll be done. And Jesus looked at him and marveled and said, in all of Israel I've not seen faith like this. So he, he understood authority. And the greatest level of freedom, listen to me, church, the greatest level of freedom you'll ever have is when you understand authority. That doesn't mean coming under ungodly control anywhere. That's not what that means. But it means honoring authority. If we didn't have authority, as I told a man the other day, and this was a man, and you know, let me just say he'd been to prison a couple times, but I explained to him, I said, listen, if we didn't have police, then it'd be the strongest survive. And so, somebody could come along in here and just take everything we have and take, and, and, and I told him, here's our two wives, they could come take our wives and we'd either have to fight for them and if they could whip us, they got them. That's the way it works. But because men won't behave, God has given authority, even the police, even the military are God-ordained structures because men won't behave. But in the spirit realm, when we obey authority, when you honor the authority in a given place like this, when you honor the authority in the church you're in, even if you don't totally agree with them, as long as you're in there, don't stir up trouble. If it's that bad you can't stand it, well then ask God what you need to do. And, if, and then leave if he tells you to. If he doesn't tell you to, sit there and behave. Pray for people. 
Now, don't, don't go running out of there offended. All right? But we need to honor authority. How many know we got a rebellion problem in this nation? Oh, my Lord. The rebellion runs deep, deep. So we just ask you to honor that. Uh, we ask you not to bring food and uh, drinks other than bottled water into your rooms because this is a country place and it has critters. <laughs> critters being a southern term for animals, bugs, such. So if the food comes in, they tend to kind of come too because they like to eat and drink, but we don't want to entertain them. So, so please don't do that. Also, uh, the like to ask that lights go out at 10 o'clock, you know, and uh, that doesn't mean we're telling you you have to go to bed at 10 o'clock, but don't be giggling or running down the halls or doing any of that stuff, keeping your neighbor away. Okay? So, with that, let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you're a good, good Father. You're full of love and mercy and grace and kindness. You're all powerful. There is none like you. You're the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, and the beginning and the end. Lord, you see the end from the beginning. You've written it all in the book for us, even. Everything we need to know, you put in our in the Word of God and given it to us. And Lord, you so love the world that you sent your only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, that you first chose us. We love you, Jesus because you first loved us and we ask you to pour your love out in this place I ask you Holy Spirit I welcome you Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit show us Jesus draw us to the Father we need you we need more of you I'm calling on you Lord and asking you to show this body show me great and mighty things we know not of according to Jeremiah 33 and 3 Lord reveal yourself you, Lord Jesus, are the deliverer that comes from Mount Zion. And we look from to the hills from whence our help comes from. Father, we thank you for the authority over all the power of the enemy that Jesus gave. That whatever we find on earth will be bound in heaven, the kingdom, the kingdom. And, Father, in that I find a strong man assigned against the camp, assigned against every person, every family represented here in the name of Jesus and those that will hear in the days and times to come. I thank you, Father, for your warring angels that sweep through the heavenlies and throughout this property in the name of Jesus. Uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, swinging their swords, pushing back darkness, cutting back any principality, cutting the tide in the name of Jesus. Any principality assigned against us in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, that Baal is cut off in the heavenlies. Asherah is cut off in the heavenlies. Mammon is cut off in the heavenlies. Jezebel is cut off in the heavenlies. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we give you the glory. We bind those things on the ground. I bind deaf, dumb spirits. I bind mind-blinding spirits. I bind, in the name of Jesus, all rejection and fear and anger and hatred and murder and deception. All religious spirits, in the name of Jesus. And Father, we take authority over all witchcraft, counseling, every hex, vex, spell, curse, charm, incantation, and ritual. Any vain imaginations and all projections in the name of Jesus and break the power of every wicked spoken word in the name of Jesus. Repent for everything we need to repent for. We come through the blood, Lord, and repent. Repent for me, everybody here listening, everybody to come. 
repent for our cities and our counties and our states and our entire nation and the body of Christ all over the world. Forgive us, pour out your mercy, pour out your grace, and thank you, Lord, for being our ever-present help in time of need. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, tonight I'm going to talk to you about offense. You call it the spirit of offense. You could also say, uh, maybe, am I offended? Show me where I'm offended, Lord. Offense, defined in Vine's Greek dictionary, it says the name or part of a trap on which the bait is hung that lured the animal into the trap. We have to understand our enemy, who is Satan, uses offenses as bait to lure us into a lifetime of bitterness, into resentment, into unforgiveness, and even hatred. Another part of that definition is a hindrance or a stumbling block. When we allow the spirit of offense to come in, it becomes a hindrance and a stumbling block to us. It causes us to stumble in our walk with God. In Webster's 1828, it says to displease, to make angry, to affront. It expresses rather less than make angry and without any modifying word, it is nearly synonymous with displease. We're offended by rudeness, by incivility, by harsh language. Children can offend their parents by disobedience, and parents offend their children by unreasonable austerity or restraint. That's the Word of God tells fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. There's people in here, their fathers provoke them to wrath. And some of you may have dealt with it, and some of you may not have, and some of you may have thought you dealt with it, and you'll find out you didn't. Be open to God. As we pray, and we, there will be times we may ask God to show things. Well, listen, if something comes to your mind, just because you've dealt with it before, don't be going, no, no, I've dealt with that. Because we just ask God. And we've bound the enemy. So if we ask God to show something, then we can count that he's wanting to deal with what he just showed us. Amen? Many of God's children are continually offended. Offended by little things. And offended by big things. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Philippians 1.9 and 10 says, In this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere, listen, and without offense till the day of Christ. Psalm 119.165 Great peace have they who love your walk. Nothing shall offend them or make them stumble. I want to clarify before I go any further. That don't mean we don't see right and wrong. This doesn't mean that you're not going to feel offended at times. As Jesus made it very clear that trouble would come, tribulation would come. There's going to be a time. You're going to, I don't care how much love you're walking in, you might feel a tweak every once in a while. But I will put it to you this way. The more free you get and the more healed you get, the less tweaked you get. It can get where... Here's what happens. The truth is, you get to a place where it has to be really something. You might feel... Listen. So, you, you can start to feel a little offended over some of the most stupid things. And when you're not healed, those little bitty things that ought to mean nothing turn into mountains. 
But when you're healed, you can realize, okay, that's my flesh, devil, you're not going to have a part of it. We're just going to set that aside. And we can walk out a life where we're not offended continually. It ought to offend you that there's child abuse. It ought to offend you that people get raped. It ought to offend you about murder. Those things are offensive, okay? That we need to, even those people doing those things, they may need to go to jail. And if they're unsavable, which there are some people that are reprobate in this world, okay? But God has to judge that. You can't. Because if he, if he judged by the fruit, most of us would have had everybody in hell. Including <laughs> ourselves, right? Alright. So later on, you begin to walk things out. There's some fruit in your life that looks like God. Amen? That, that's what we want. But I know my fruit before would have had me in hell. Okay? Because I didn't have the one. He says, look at that. Great peace to those who love your law. Nothing shall offend them or make them stumble. Well, what's the, what did Jesus say all the law and the prophets are wrapped into? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. When you're living in that law, the perfect law of liberty, things change. So even those people doing those things, you can see that I can condemn them and I should condemn the works. But I'm going to pray for the people that even if they go to jail, somebody will reach them where they can change. And if they die, they don't go to hell because you don't want people in hell. Not if your heart is to God. If our hearts are towards the Lord, we don't want anybody in hell. Let's look at some different aspects of offense. There's taking offense. There's giving offense. There's offended by truth. There's offended in God. There's offending the Holy Spirit. And there's offending yourself. You've got to understand that there's not going to be any offense in heaven. And in the last days, offense will be multiplied here on the earth. Matthew 13, 41, The Son of Man shall send forth his angels. They shall gather out of his kingdoms, out of his kingdom, all things that offend and things that do inequity. It's going away at some point. But Matthew 24, 10 says, And then, now this is talking about these days we're in now. Okay? If you've never been one to look at prophecy, you don't have to go way, way deep in it, but just read Matthew 24 and look around. Look around. We're here. Men, many shall then be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Anybody in this room ever been betrayed? It's going to get worse. Deception and cold love shall be a sign of the time. Matthew 24, 11. And twelve, many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And let's look at the power of love as defined in the following scriptures. You've got to understand you'll never walk in perfect love when you're walking around offended. First John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. So I'm just going to add a bonus into that. Are you afraid? Are you walking in anxiety, pressure, tension, panic? Right there it says perfect love cast out fear. 
So one of the things about operating in fear, first of all, you need to admit that it's a sin, that anything not of faith is sin, okay? God loves us. If I want to get fixed, I, I can't justify anything. I just go through and say, this doesn't look... You can you just try with everything you have, and we're not big on imaginations here, but about anything you have to imagine Jesus walking around going, boy, I'm, I'm really worried about tomorrow. I'm, I'm really, I'm really, I'm, I'm really afraid I'm not going to have enough. Oh. You know why Jesus didn't? He knew who he was. He knew who he is. He's the Word, and he knows the Word. And the Word promises to take care of you if you belong to God. So fear is a problem. Fear, honestly, like somebody said, when we get off into fear, it's like we're calling our daddy a liar. Get that? It's like we're calling our daddy a liar. Because he's not a man that he should lie or the son of a man that he should repent. So if he says he's going to do things for us, he will. But he moves on faith. Listen, he moves on faith and faith alone. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For a man to come to God, he must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So it is perfectly okay now to say, Lord, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. Okay? And saying, I believe you. I'm being, I'm, I'm being, doubt is trying to stop me. Lord, help me. And then you can turn around and say, shut up, devil. God says. So, if you're operating in fear, I want to go back to that. Perfect love cast out fear. So, where's your love walk? Where's your love towards others? Where's your love towards yourself? Are you loving God by doing your best to be obedient by His grace? You can't, you can't be obedient without His grace. It takes His power. But in the surrender to him, his power comes. And the Bible even says he's written his law on our heart. Okay? So if his law is on my heart, I want to do what he wants me to do. And, and it's, it, But I have to receive his love. So I'm going to ask you, if you're a person in this room, you're hearing my voice, I'm going to ask you to ask in, uh, to the Lord right now. And just do it with me. Say, Lord, Lord. is there something? that's blocking me from receiving your love as my Father. I'm asking in Jesus' name. If He showed you something, start repenting. If He showed you something, start forgiving. Start releasing. Let things go. Perfect love. So perfect love is His love. When perfect love is received, it flushes those things out. It cast out fear. And so in perfect love, listen, we should be able to read 1 Corinthians 13 and read that and read the love chapter and see how it describes love. And if your life doesn't look like that somewhere, you're not walking in perfect love. And it opens the door to, to many other things. 1 Corinthians 13 and 8 says, love never fails. Love covers a multitude of sin, according to 1 Peter 4 and 8. How many know that was love when Jesus was crucified? And boy, did it cover a multitude of sins. I'd say in this room, it's a bucket full or two, huh? Huh? And we're the ones getting cleaned. Huh? I'll tell you anything. You cannot pray or worship properly with offense in your heart. Mark 11, 22 through 26, it, it tells you that you've got to walk in love for your prayers of faith to be answered. That's where the Lord is giving us 
the um, uh, he, he's speaking and he says, if you speak unto this mountain, say, be removed and cast into the sea, it'll be done. And then right after that, he says, if you don't forgive, you're not forgiven. So it's all tied together. You can have all the faith you want to. Believe you're walking in faith? Listen, I've seen husbands and wives think they're all offended at each other. And that husband go on and say, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. Yeah, but he ain't making it with her. She's not making it with him. And they're not talking. And they both got a line in the sand. And they're both offended, pointing the finger at one another. And I'm just going to present to you. Now listen, there's cases of abuse. There's things in there. But I'm just talking. I'm talking about a case you just got two different pieces of opinions where ain't nobody following the order of God for one. And you've got this wall between them. If you're not right with them, you're not right with God. Amen. Amen. Sometimes one of the greatest things we can learn to do is to not be wrong being right. Because you can be right and be wrong in how you behave. You're right in a point, but wrong in your behavior. Matthew 6, 9 through 15. It's the Lord's Prayer. And right then again, he says, you don't forgive, you're not forgiven. He repeated it. Do you know that in the Word of God, a thing will always be established by two or more witnesses? God clearly establishes that if you're not going to forgive, you're not going to be forgiven. How many know if you're not forgiven, you can pray till the cows come home and ain't nothing happening? The only prayer the Lord hears of a sinner not born again is the prayer that says, Lord, I need you. I'm a sinner. Save me. Then he hears his saints. But if you, and, and when you're a saint, you have been told you can boldly approach the throne of grace. But who, I'm just telling you, nobody full of offense is boldly going anywhere. Because there'll be a reservation and there'll be a condemnation in your heart because you're offended. Matthew 5, 23 and 24 tells us to leave our gift at the altar and make peace with our brother. In the Hebrews it says, uh, if possible, be at peace, be at peace with all men. Possible. For without holiness, no man shall seek God. See God. Now, that doesn't mean you, you know, some people are not going to be at peace with you. And you can't make peace with them. But you can at least try to do your part. If they shut it off, you can't fix it. That's between them and God. But you've got to do your part in your heart. Offense can turn into deeper problems. There can be resentment, unforgiveness, bitterness, which makes the entire life of a person bitter. It could be hatred. Proverbs 17, 9 says love covers offenses. We've got to learn how to have closure on offenses. So you got to, so I'm not offended you, and somebody says somebody's name, and you're like, I'm not forgiving them. The door's open. There's an opening there. We've got to close the door. And so the word says, if you don't forgive from your heart, tormentors come. Well, that from your heart means you're not going to have that. Blah, 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 blah. When you, it means that means you're you're just going to be able to, to not be moved. That doesn't mean that person who hurt you badly, they may never be your best friend again. But it's not because you hate them, or that you're that it's because the Lord has told you not to be that way. You love them from afar. Okay? 
But but we've got to. But if there's a that heart issue is the one that makes you jump. That means there's something still there. No matter how many times you said, "Oh, I forgive them, I forgive them." So you need to still. I always tell people this. Listen, the person you're offended at, and you've forgiven them. You've spoke those words, and and you you know that you need to because you want to be obedient to God. You you know His word is true, but you're having trouble in a given area. Well, that's the person that when you think about them, you need to pray God to bless them. You need to ask God to bless them. You need to ask Him to show them His mercy. You need to ask Him to be good to them like He's been good to you. Okay? And when you do that, then your healing will come, and pretty soon the name comes, and you're not going to be barking. You pray for people. The Lord says pray for those that despitefully use you. Bless your enemies. Why Jesus tell His people that? He's telling them how, how, to, how to walk in holiness, but walk in a place where you're not walking in offense and then therefore being destroyed. He was giving us keys. You pray for people. 1 Corinthians 13 and 3 says, Love does not behave unseemly, but it doesn't act out. It seeks not its own. It's not selfish. It's not easily provoked. And it thinks no evil. One time my wife and I, we were in a place, we were driving somewhere, and for about a week we've been uh, kind of messing with each other sarcastically. And we weren't a big old fight or anything, we just, you know, little jabs here and there, you know, jab here, you know, jab here. And we're on the way to the Panhandle of Texas, and we're driving two different cars for some reason. At that point, we lived in Houston, so about a nine-hour drive. And we're listening to some preacher on the radio, and he teaches this. But in the version that he read, it said, love does not provoke. And so I get out of the car to get gas, and she gets out of the car for me to put the gas in her side, too. And she and we look at each other, and we both said, we're sorry. <laughs> we're listening to the same radio program, didn't even know it. But we've been provoking each other. And and so it had resulted in a problem, but each time, see, those kind of people, I'm, I'm just going to say this is a bonus for somebody, sarcasm is the devil's language. It's always, it's a low-grade anger, and it always cuts somebody down, even if it's, and, and it's followed oftentimes by just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. You've got to be real careful. And, and what had happened is the Lord was good to us, so he let us know, and he stopped it from being something worse than it could have been. But we both got out of there and said, we're sorry, love doesn't provoke. And if you get provoked, you're offended, right? So, and so I don't want to be offended myself, but I don't want to purposely offend people either. A lot of times just preaching this word of God is offensive. And we make no apologies for that. I'm not going to say I'm sorry if this offends you, but, because it's God's word. But it's not my purpose to offend you. I don't have to, you know, we shouldn't have to defend God. Do you get that? Another version of that first Corinthians says, love is not touchy, fretful, or resentful. First Corinthians 3 and 3, Paul told the believers they were acting like mere unchanged men, the, the King James, I believe, says mere mortal men, because they had strife between them. Word of God tells you that where there's strife, I believe it's in James, says where there's strife, listen, there's strife, there's envy, 
confusion, and every evil work. So when you know you've been in strife, so <laughs> take my wife again, she just would tell our story with this. So we both come out of a mess. I smoked first dope at ten years old, sexual sin at thirteen, alcohol, drugs, and all of that mess is a functioning drug user, uh, womanizer, brawling, divorcer, all that mess till I was forty years old. And uh, the Lord rescued me out of that pit a little bit ahead of rescuing my wife out of her pit. And her pit was addiction. Okay? And so the Lord used me to be the one uh, that was flesh and bones uh, participating with him to get her delivered. Unknowing that she was ever going to be my wife. And, uh, and then, so about 18 months after that, he says, well, there's your wife. And, and then we knew. And then we got married. And um, uh, then I found out how messed up I still was, too. Everything changed when we got married. And uh, and in our first three years were World War III or bliss. It was wonderful or terrible. And we fought. And I'm, I'm just, I'll say right here, we could be sitting there and, and we'd get in a fight. And I'd cuss her out, go down the road, somebody call me on prayer. <laughs> and, and honestly, that was God's way. I mean, because one thing you've got to end up learning eventually, you're going to learn it ain't you at all. And, and he taught me through that. But we had to learn to repent and fight and crucify the flesh. We knew how to divorce. We didn't know how to stay married. But we're here 13 years later. And we don't live like that anymore. Because God is our deliverer and he's our healer. He's our deliverer. He's our healer. He's not a respecter of persons. Amen. She would get jealous and I'd get mad. And that's the way it was. And she didn't have reason to be jealous, but she inherited jealousy. And I had no excuse for being mad, but I'd get mad. I inherited anger. Jealousy and anger go like this. They don't care who they're working in. And so, so we would, we would have those blow-ups. But, Lord, we even through all the mess, we, we had some understanding, thank God. If we had to have been coming here, if, if we had to have been coming here, if we had to have been to the places and, and, and going through deliverance, we would not be here. We would not be here. But I told you, strife, envy, strife, confusion, envy, and every evil work. So we learned, if we had problems, we would come back and we would repent and we would apologize. We would break any unholy soul ties for our behavior. And then we would say, strife, confusion, envy, every evil work. Get out of our home in Jesus' name. It took us not only being delivered, but going through the process of learning to die for yourself. You can get delivered. But on the valley of temptation, on your hour of temptation, you're going to have to crucify the flesh and resist the devil. And i got news for you, you can. Because we're not orphans. We haven't been left alone. He gets all the glory. But he won't crucify your flesh for you. So when somebody says an ugly word to you, you know, it's okay to disagree with another human being, even your spouse. It's okay. 
You don't have to agree on everything. Most humans don't. Some people are very blessed. They just agree with everything. But most people have different opinions at times. But when you make it personal, if it becomes personal, so if a word comes out that demeans, if a word comes out that cuts, that's when you cross the line into the flesh and give them way for the demons to take over and use your mouths to beat each other up, to beat each other up while they're laughing at us. That's one thing that happened. We started getting the picture. If you're married and there's not some terrible abuse going on, divorce is not an option and neither is murder. <laughs> so you throw those options out The devil's just stealing your time. So how much time do you want to lose? So we just began to learn to repent quickly and to forgive quickly and to make up quickly so he don't steal our time. Amen? And then as you grow in grace, you don't have near as much forgiving and making up to do. You don't have near as much repenting to do because you just don't go where he wants you to go. Amen? Alright, so if you're easily offended, good possibility that there's selfishness involved. Anytime something doesn't go your way, you get offended. There can be insecurity. The love tank is empty. When people don't get their way, they feel rejected. Negativity. I always believe in the worst instead of the best. You can become an easy mark for Satan. He baits the trap and takes the bait every time. Book, there's a book, I believe it's over here, it's by a guy named John Bevere called Bait of Satan. And that book taught me, it's a very good book, it taught me early, early on about the enemy's game. How many want to be a puppet for the enemy? Nobody? Sometimes uh, people that are easily offended are miserable. Being offended hinders God's plan for your lives. You cannot go forward with those wrong things in your heart. It brings a lack of wisdom. You know the Bible says in James 1, 5, if any man lacks wisdom, he can ask the one that has it all. Paraphrase. He has it all, and he gives it to you liberally and without reproach. That means you go to your daddy and you say, Lord, I need help doing this. I need to know what to do. And he's not going, are you bothering me again? It's not how it works. He goes, oh, son, daughter, thank you for asking. He's delighted. When we ask him for help. Sometimes you hear a still small voice and then all of a sudden you just know how to do something you didn't know how to do a minute before. And you think you're the one that got that. No! No! You ask your daddy and he gives it to you. An offended individual has no peace of mind. Without peace there's no joy. Oh there are people that get so offended their conscience gets seared. And you can get seared conscious and you go back and you just ignore people and build a wall up in your heart and you use move on. You think you're okay, but you're not. You're not prospering. Winners refuse to be offended. Look at David, 1 Samuel 17, 28 through 30. David turned away from offense. Look at Luke Saul continually trying to kill him. 1 Samuel 16, 1 through 13. David could have been offended because he was left out. So that's the story where the prophet Samuel comes and he's looking for to anoint the next king of Israel and he comes to Jesse, David's daddy, 
And he says, where are your sides? And he lines up this magnificent guy. This one here that looks so good. This one that's tall and strong. All of these men. Haman said, I don't see any of them. He said, well, I've got one out in the field. Well, it was David. But David didn't get bent because he wasn't checked. Because his daddy didn't put him up there first. He could have. He even put up with his brothers when they, and he was sent to the front lines by his dad. Sent to bring them food. And his brothers basically cheat on him. What are you doing? Leaving those sheep to come here. David just moved on. I think he got a little offended at Goliath, though. <laughs> Put a hole in his head. Thank you, Lord. First Timothy, or Second Timothy 4.16. Paul was at trial. Nobody stood with him. Everybody abandoned him. Paul didn't get offended. Offense is a demon. If you're continually offended, you have a demon of offense. You've got some anger that needs to be dealt with. Look how many times Jesus had occasions to be offended. Pharisees offended him in a righteous way, and he dealt with it. But listen, here's how Jesus dealt with it. He dealt with it. He told him what he told him. He cleaned out the money changers and all that. But then look, when he's on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He's the pattern son. His own relatives thought he was crazy. His mother and brothers were outside. They were, they were thinking he was crazy. And that's when he, he told the people, he said, the one that, that does my father's will is my brother and my sister. Mm-hmm. The disciples often acted like spoiled black brats. <laughs> they could not even stay awake and pray for him. We get offended when people don't understand us. Look at Peter. Peter denied Jesus. The Pharisees constantly tried to Entrap him. You know what Jesus had? He knew who he was. He knew who he was. He knew he was from God. And he knew that he was going back to God. And he knew who he was. He had security. How many people could have had their beards ripped out? And be beaten. And cursed like him. And not respond. In defense. He's the Son of God for a reason. He's God. Thank you, Lord. So people are offended by rejection. That means not being included or forgotten. I'm just going to tell you something, that if you've got deep-seated rejection, you've got spirits of rejection in you, that the enemy will make sure somebody forgets you. I promise you. And so you have to make sure you're not offended and begin, listen, so we can kick these demons of rejection out and the demons of offense out. And then if the enemy tries to work that on you and your name didn't get called somewhere where it should have, well, it just just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Your identity has to become in the one who did it all for you. Your identity and your value has to come from Jesus and the price he paid. So people say things like, you did not invite me. You forgot my birthday. You forgot my anniversary. Bless my wife. She is a good wife. Back in the early days, if I'd have forgotten her anniversary, it'd been one of them pitch battles. But now we're walking in love, and it's important to me. But one day, a couple of years ago, we're driving down the road, and we looked at each other and said, this is our anniversary. And nobody was bent. We said, happy anniversary. She's my wifey for life. We're committed. You know, it wasn't anything. We just enjoyed the rest of the day. We've been having a good day anyway. 
Now why would you spoil it? I'm not recommending to you husbands you forget your wife's anniversary. <laughs> or your anniversary, but... <laughs> I'm just bragging on mine, that's all. <laughs> and we had enough of those battles in the first three years. We, you know, just a whole lot just doesn't matter. You find that out. If your opinion is ignored or rejected, people not agreeing with you. Not getting your way. Some people get offended having to wait too long for something. A whole lot of Christians don't act right at restaurants. Bad witness. Man, I, I'm, I'm just saying, hey, listen, I'm not all that, but I go into a restaurant, I'm looking, you know, I've got a captive audience in the waiter or waitress. I want to see them saved. I want to see them saved. I'm going to talk to them about their salvation. But I'm going to act kind to them and not treat them lower than me. There's an old couple named Charles and Francis Hunter. I think I've shared that before here. But that couple would go into a restaurant. They'd get the waiter or waitress and they'd say, you know, there's two kind of waitresses in this place. And the waitress would say, well, what kind of that? And they would say, well, those that are saved and those that are about to be. Which one are you? <laughs> grouchy people can offend you. You know, you have to choose not to be grouchy. You don't have a right to be grouchy. Oh, God, well, listen, you have the permitted will of God to be grouchy. But you're not going to hell anymore, number one. The Lord has done all that he's done for you. To be grouchy is just to put on a terrible reflection of him to somebody else. Because we're here to reflect him. I knew a lady, listen to me, I knew a lady one time I was in a ministry, and this, this gal, she, she gave her testimony. Husband was sick. He's going to die. And he's going through the last stages or whatever. And she'd have to go to Walmart to get his medicine. So on the way to Walmart, she'd look in the mirror and practice smiling. And she did that so that when she got in that Walmart, somebody would see her friendly face. And she was asking God to bring people to her that she could minister to. So did she, her husband's going to die. She's having to go down and get medicine. She knows where his future is. She knows where hers is. And, and instead of making that this bad Sad. She practices smiling in order to be attractive to somebody that might need to know the Lord or have prayer. We can be offended by people who are not like us. Do you know this nation has a big problem with that? Do you know the enemy's trying to work that to the hilt? To divide and conquer and bring us down? Listen, I hate perversion of all kinds. Heterosexual, homosexual, all of them. Hate it because God hates it. I know only by the grace of God is that not how I live. I don't condemn anybody. But I will not agree that it's right. Right? But never condemn people and be so offended at them that you forget to pray for them. Because God just might get a harvest out of some of them. So we can't see all this mess going on. We can't listen to it. You cannot get so offended at all the mess you see going on and all the mess on TV and this one against that one and that one against that one and all the things that are going on that you forget to pray for all these people involved. The enemy wants to take down our nation because, and I'm not saying our government's all that. There's problems both aisles. The whole thing's corrupt. But there's still a people here that operate in a measure of freedom that the whole world does not. Yes. 
And the goal is a one-world government. You do a little investigation, you'll find there's a whole lot of things going on. I call false flags and things going on that they're looking to try to create a civil war in this nation by trying to take the guns away. And I promise you the people of America are not going to give them up. And the people that are doing it know that. They know. This is a time to wrap up your prayer life. And I would say to pray for the one that affects you the most. Whatever your pet is, whatever the one that gets under your skin worse than anything else, you start praying for that. And pray God to save those people. Because what will happen, if they're not savable, when we pray, He might just move them out and stop the damage they're doing. Wherever they're hidden. Okay? The people you see on the front end aren't the people that are pulling the strings either. Just know that. We've got to be determined to live without offense. Refuse offense every time it's offered. Treat it like a plague. Sometimes people are offended by truth. I just spoke some truth there. There are people that could have took offense at that. But it's true. But it's not the truth that sets you free. That's God's Word. Okay? John 8, 31 and 33 says, If you stay in my word, you're my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. We've seen people, both in personal deliverances that we do and in other places and in here, that we're rolling right along, getting a lot of freedom. So it come to a place where something was pointed out that they had to give up, or they had to forgive, they had to release something that was pointed out. And what's pointed out straight from the Word of God, not an accusation, we all know that any of us could do whatever is being done. And by the grace of God, we're not. And I can just say in my case that more than likely I did it. Okay? But there are, I've seen people that get offended and stop right there because they don't want to do what God says to do. But the truth you know will set you free. So if you'll receive this truth, if you'll grasp this truth, if you'll say, all right, Lord, I don't look like that, but I want to, the process then begins in which we can get healed and set free. Holy Spirit, John 16, 13, has come to guide us into all truth. Sometimes that truth is realizing, listen, that's a bonus for somebody. You've got to change the way we talk. Proverbs 18, 21, life and death is in the power of the tongue. Amen. If, if, you, if you're cursing yourself, you need to quit. If you're cursing other people, and I'm not talking cuss words, that means stop to. It's corrupt communication. Ephesians 4, 2, 9 says don't let corrupt communication come out of your mouth. But worse than cuss words are words that demean, that cut down, that speak death over things. We have to stop that. Holy Spirit will convict you and lead you into that truth. And then sometimes Holy Spirit is going to cause another person to point something out to you. And we need to become such a people that are not walking in offense that when they point that something out to me, we're going, Lord, I think they're telling me something. Instead of being mad at what they said. If they're wrong, you still go to God. And if it's wrong, he's going to say they're wrong. Just pray for them. Truth is not necessarily soft and easy on your flesh. 
The truth about your present condition prepares the way for greater blessings. We cannot go to the next level unless we receive truth about where we are now. Let me say this. What if you're bearing fruit and you're helping people, but God could use you in a much greater way because there's maybe some pride or some selfishness or some rebellion that needs to be dealt with, and yet we can go to a place Ultimately, your greatest prosperity in your life is the prosperity in which you're at peace with God and you know He's got you doing what you're supposed to be doing. And you're no longer getting your identity from what you do. You're not getting identity from what you do at all. You're just working with your Father. You're working with the Holy Spirit. Living your life, whatever it looks like, to please Him and to help others. You know that little lady that was smiling in the mirror? Well, she was going into the Walmart because the harvest fields were wide in there. And I just want to ask, in this room, are we able to go in? Is everybody in this room able to do something in the Walmart if they needed to? Are you able, in this room, to pray for somebody in the Walmart that you don't know? Because if you can't, you're not healed where you need to be yet. Okay? Because they're still concerned about what this face looks like. Getting rid of offense. Takes care of that. Look at Peter. In his defense, <laughs> he wasn't being honest with himself. See, we've got to be honest with ourselves. And Peter told Jesus, and Jesus said he was going to be crucified. And Peter said, oh, no, it's not going to be, Lord. Well, the truth is, Peter didn't want his life to change. That wasn't it. You know, he didn't, listen, you're going to know. What about me? Jesus said he was an offense to him. Get thee behind me, Satan. You've got to be honest about what the real problems are. Sometimes people are going to be offended at a minister or somebody else that's getting blessed somehow. There are excesses and there are problems out in the world and there are people, there's even people fleecing God's sheep. Okay? But even one of them fleece, sheep fleecers might say a word that was from God. People get in church, they say it's too hot and it's too cold. Seats are not comfortable and the service is too long. Had to park too far away. Minister talked too long. Spent too much time on this and too much time on that. I don't like the way his hair looks. Or does it? Sometimes people get mad if they're asked to move from one seat to another. What difference does it make? Just a check. Some people think they own a given pew. Meekness and humility are required to receive truth. Naaman the leper, 2 Kings 5, 1 through 14. Naaman the leper, he came. Naaman was a general. He was a Syrian general. He was a great general. And he came into Israel with leprosy. And he looked for the man of God who was Elijah. And he said, he said, he wanted healing. So they brought him before him. Elijah didn't pay him any mind. Or he said, well, just go tell him to dip in the Jordan seven times. And apparently... Seven, right? The Jordan is a muddy river. It's not a beautiful river. Naaman thinks he goes, well, why? If I was going to do that, I could have dipped the river back to Syria. He was offended at what the man of God said, the simplicity of it. And yet, when he turned and he did what the man of God said, he got healed. Then interestingly enough, that man had enough sense that he wanted to take the dirt from Israel back to where he was so he'd have something holy to stand on. Because he was in a pagan land. Pagan people. 
Some of us need to go home and clean the dirt out of our house. Make it holy ground. Maybe there's things in your home you need to get out of there. Listen, I come from, well, I come from Houston. We live in Choctaw Territory. We live in, in Oklahoma. And folks there get bent out of shape, a lot of them, when you tell them that they need to get rid of those dream catchers. Okay? If your culture conflicts with God, you need to change that culture. Okay? It's nothing wrong with, with being, you know, your food and some of the clothing and the things like that. But anything that goes and points to supernatural beings that are not Yahweh, not Jesus, not the Holy Ghost, not our God, is a problem and they're cursed. So dream catchers, kachina dolls, totem pole. You know, I'm, I'm going to share this story. It's, uh, so you talk about people get offended at things, okay? And this isn't a person's uh, necessarily got offended at what I'm about to tell you, but it's a propensity that, that it could. Anybody ever heard of the Avengers? Okay. Well, the Avengers are, are this, they got big movies out, they got cartoons out, and they all, every one of the Avengers is a mixture. And you've got Ant-Man, you've got Lost-Man, you've got all these beings that are not fully human, they're mixtures, okay? One of them is Thor. Thor happens to be Odin's son. Odin is the chief god of the Nordic gods. Thor was his son who was a mixture with a human woman. So in other words, Thor took a human woman for a wife, and here comes, I mean, Odin did, and here comes Thor, okay? So Zeus did the same thing as Hercules. It's the same story, different cultures. Okay, Bible tells us in Genesis six and four that the six and four that the sons of God took the daughters of man for wives, and there were giants in the land. So, and the sons of God is Benai Elohim. It's the same word used when it says that Satan went before the council of the Lord, and the sons of God were there. It wasn't humans; it's fallen; it's angels. So, these are fallen angels took women for wives, and there was mixtures. Mixtures. Architecture all over the world is showing this. People can't explain it. They're going to tell you the world is telling you that aliens did it. There's shows out there called Ancient Aliens, and everything they tell you is right except for they say it's aliens when it was fallen angels and their offspring. And the Bible shows you what happened. And it happened before the flood, and you had giants after the flood. The pre-flood giants were greater in size. Great sign. But the Avengers, listen to me, Jesus said it's going to be like the days of Noah when he comes back. So what happened in the days of Noah? That was one of the things. There was mixtures of human beings and angels, human beings and animals. They have broken the human genome code already. Our scientists have. So out, and they got their information from fallen angels. Even the Nazis who had this incredible technology have said that they got their knowledge from people from the other from the other side. It wasn't from God, it was from fallen angels. So we're vast, vastly approaching that, and ultimately there'll be a mark of a beast come. Alright? They have taught you evolution all these years. Listen, they've taught evolution all these years. In order to prepare man to become something that's enhanced. 
to become something because if you, you were convinced you're an animal and you're going to evolve, what's the big deal about evolving into a better thing now? Yeah. Problem is, if you evolve to something different than God made you, you're not going to be savable anymore. Right. So your avengers, which seem innocuous, which seem harmless, right. they're also called mighty men of old, of renown. The exact words used in the Bible for the for the for the giants. All right. So here's this mixture here. One of them is Hulk. In the past two weeks, past two weeks, there's been two little boys that have come into our sphere of influence. And one of them is a sweet, he's sweet little fellow. He run to you, he loved you, and all of a sudden he didn't want you to touch me. He had this mean look in his face. He's hitting himself. He's doing this. He's two years old. And he's got Hulk and Thor, and all that, and a shower curtain in his room. Thor, I mean, Hulk beats himself. I get on the phone with a lady that we've ministered to two weeks later, and she starts telling me about her little five-year-old boy who all of a sudden changed, who loved Jesus, and then all of a sudden he says, I hate God, I'm the son of the devil, and he starts pounding himself. And I asked her, I said, ma'am, you got the Avengers in your house? Yes. People, many, would get offended. I'm just telling them to tell them what I just told them. Oh, that's ridiculous. But it's not. So I would just, and as I put to one person, then I told them, both of them, I actually asked them, they're Christians, and I said, "Uh, would you have a Buddha in your house? Oh, no. Why would you have an image of Thor? Thor is a false god. Alright, we want to strive not to give offense. Having said that offensive thing, I'm going to strive not to give offense. <laughs> Proverbs 18, 19, a brother offended is hard to win. 2 Corinthians 6, 3 says we should strive not to give offense. You know, sometimes we just need to, without getting under control, accommodate other people. You know, we, we've got to learn everybody's different, you know. Sometimes, you know, it's like husband and wife, where, where you want to eat, you go through the whole list. Well, sometimes one needs to go, and, you know, sometimes we go with the other, whatever. Doesn't matter. Some things just aren't. We have to learn, guess what? It's better to give than to receive. Right? Blessed. Blessed are the peacemakers. There's many times things just don't matter. And the one that makes themselves the least is greatest in the kingdom. Word of God. So it's like somebody said, uh, when you go to a poverty-stricken third-world country, you might not want to wear your best jewelry. They don't have a hope of anything like that. Or what about if, what about if somebody's got the flu, and you're going to go say, well, I tried to get that, that tried to come on me yesterday, but I rebuked it, and it's gone. Well, you know, I mean, it should have been, can I pray for you? <laughs> Instead of making them feel less, because you rebuked yours and they left, but they're sick. We don't have to give our opinion about everything. Especially when you're amongst other strongly opinionated people. We've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. We need to yield and adapt where we need to. The Bible says a kind word turns away wrath. In a situation where... There can be conflict. Somebody staying calm can put a quick end to the anger. Remember that only the people who purposely avoid giving offense are the ones walking in love. 
And don't get me wrong, there's a line in the sand in these last days. I promise you, you're going to serve God, you're going to offend people. But you don't have an attitude about doing it. <clears throat> when two people agree, it can show maturity. God says to agree, to touch and agree, there'll be none on earth as it is in heaven. We need to strive to live in peace. We need to live in godly authority in our homes. We need to be considerate. Take time to think about how others might feel in a given situation. Selfish people are satisfied as long as they're taken care of. When others are inconsiderate of them, they're offended. This might be to a husband in here, and it may not apply here, but it may apply to somebody later. But I remember, so uh, a wife's supposed to respect her husband like Sarah does Abraham, and a husband's supposed to love his wife like Jesus loved the church. So there's a TV evangelist I was listening to one time, way back in the day, and he said, it's like this. He said, your wife wants to go to the ballet. You don't like the ballet. But he said, maybe you need to go to the ballet. And don't fall asleep, John Wayne. Act like you're enjoying it for a little while. You're loving her like Jesus loved the church. And dying for somebody else. But sometimes just those, something like that. You just die for it. Now a wife that dies that way for her husband in the right way is, is she's not compelled to. But how many know it can make for a blessing if you're trying to outlift? If, you, if, two, if two people are trying to outlift each other, it's usually a very good situation. Amen. <laughs> are you offending yourself? The Bible says if your eye offends you, pluck it out. How's your conscience? If, if you're not living for the Lord, if you're not being quick to repent, if you're not being quick to forgive, you're, you're walking in a sinful way and you're offending your own self. Defending your own conscience. I've told people before, maybe men that had pornography problems, if you, and they had to work your salesman with computers, and I said, well listen, so you're traveling, take your computer into McDonald's, go into the lobby, don't take it into the hotel room, pluck that eye out, quit defending yourself. Because if your conscience is not right, you're going to have feelings of guilt. You're going to feel condemned. And I know in uh, the scripture tells us there's no condemnation of those that are in Christ, but the, 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 the finer part of that, except where it's been edited in places where it never should have, it says to those that will walk in the spirit, not the flesh. If you're going to walk in the flesh, you're going to feel condemnation. And even in John, in 1 John, I believe it tells us that if... Uh, if uh, our heart doesn't condemn us, ask anything of the Father. Well, what, what does it mean when your heart's condemning you? It means something's wrong. He's not condemning you. I want to crush you and you're a worm in the dirt. You're being condemned because you know you're not right with God. So you want to take care of it. So you are and you get his help. Right. And take care of hidden sin. You don't want to be the devil's garbage dump. Don't listen to things your conscience condemns. Dirty jokes, bad language, gossip, tail-bearing, other people's secrets. Don't look for information that doesn't belong to you. Don't watch and look at things your conscience condemns. This is the end of Part A. Please play Part B. Thank you. Our website is www.lakehamiltonbiblecamp.com and lhbconline.com. Dot com. There are many hundreds of free audio files there. 
It's like going to Bible school at home.